Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello all, it's a very busy time isn't it? Welcome to Full Throttle after a quite amazing, sensational, scintillating and any other adjective you can think of weekend of bike racing at Portimao in Portugal. And as we said at the end of the race, roller coaster of a track, roller coaster of emotions, not just for the riders on the track but certainly for us in the commentary box as well. Greg Haynes here, James Tozen's alongside us. First of all James, this is going out on either Monday or Tuesday so happy birthday for Tuesday. How are you going to be <laughs> celebrating your birthday? <laughs> Thank you very much. Yes. Uh, what am I? I'm going to be 41 next. I can't believe it. But I, I, well, to be honest, like when I watch racing uh, and, and see the guys doing what they're doing and how they're doing it, um, uh, I, 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 it does remind me just how long ago it was that I did it for. Because when I see Top Rack and Jonathan doing what they do, um, there are some things that I watch that I know I wouldn't wouldn't have done and maybe couldn't have done. And it just it shows you how things develop and how things progress in, in sport. And these athletes are right up there. It's it's just amazing that how hard they're pushing and, and what they're putting their bodies through week in, week out for us as, as a show is just phenomenal. Well, as always, Full Throttle is a completely unscripted podcast. It's your birthday. You kick us off. What do you want to talk about first? Oh, I, I think let's talk about Jonathan Ray's character. Because you know, I was I was one of the biggest, or I was a critic of the the what happened in Magnicor with exceeding track limits and how they did that and the the kind of sneaky nature that that was, and and I had an opinion on that, uh, a quite a strong one, but um, to 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 watch Jonathan this weekend and have those accidents and then come out and do what he did in that second race um, was phenomenal and showed the character really showed the character of why he is six times world champion. He's ruthless, isn't he? I know I didn't see this before. Uh, but since Magni Cor, the way he did that in Magni Cor and the way he rides in these kind of scenarios, and then to rub you know, to kick dust into the eyes of Top Rack on the on the green part. I mean absolutely I didn't you, you you don't see too many you don't see too many of the riders' characters, true characters with the helmets on. No, but don't. today we saw Jonathan Ray's true character with the helmet on and how ruthless he is and how brilliant he is. That theatre was one of the highlights of the weekend for me. A, what Toprak did, sweeping that green painted area on Saturday and then that giving was a waste in- of job, wasn't it? And then, sorry? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry, yeah, it was a waste of a job. In fact, listen to this because this was an interview that Dorna did uh, with Toprak Rakatioglu about that on Saturday. I, I love this. I love what he says and the laugh at the end. Just have a listen to this. I clean the uh, green line. <laughs> you remember Magnicur? And I clean green line and I look uh, how the grip is good because uh, Kawasaki say advantage. You know, I touch the green uh, Magnicur and normally you know the advantage. I check now, I clean the green. I check uh, good grip now. Maybe tomorrow I try. <laughs> <laughs> so that was top rack on Saturday. And then, of course, Jonathan Ray bounces back. And after sweeping that green-painted area, Jonathan Ray stops, does a burnout, and leaves it absolutely covered in black rubber. I thought that was brilliant. It was, it was hilarious. It was ruthless from both of them. It's pantomime stuff. And for a championship that's trying to entertain people, I love that. That They're all trying to achieve the ultimate. And when the ultimate is available, 
to three riders still. Very much let's not count uh, discount Scott Redding for what his performance was this weekend, and I'll get onto that, and I'll, uh, I'll I'll be eating my humble pie again, I'm sure, at some point in this interview. <laughs> How many humble pies have you had to buy this weekend? I put half on this weekend. <laughs> um, yes, it's it's it. this is why the relationships are as they are. You know, and also the different nationalities as well. Let's not forget, you know, that you've got the Northern Irish love from the British, to, from the, well, that doesn't make sense, does it? But you, you know what I'm getting at with Scott Reddin and Jonathan Ray? Yeah. And then the Turkish rider with, with, uh, with Toprak. Um, and they are all trying to be the best in the world, right? As a kid, when you grow up and you've got your poster, right? I had a poster of Mick Dewin and Swans on, on my wall, right? And I had a poster of James Toseland. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you did <laughs> uh, in the toilet. <laughs> still there, it's still there, actually. Um, it, it the you can't underestimate once you have an opportunity in your life as an adult to in the a, toilet. Sorry, that's <laughs> ridiculous. In the to achieve your your lifetime goals, and that's why it is so impressive what Jonathan's doing, right? Because he's done it six times already. Yeah, he doesn't need any more championships. I don't know who's dusting his trophy, but it must be a full-time job alone just doing that. No, but, but it's true, isn't it? You'd think he's never won a championship yet the way you're watching And him. that's why he is Amazing. six times champion. And, and that, that, that determination and continued determination of re-motivating yourself after being a champion to wanting to do it again, is it's, it's an addiction. And it, yeah. and it really does get within your veins. And, you can, and like I say, we saw Jonathan's true character this weekend. It was outstanding. Absolutely incredible. He has said before that his biggest fear is the fear of losing. But I was just about to say it during the race, actually. And I think now, because I've not watched back the coverage or anything yet, we've literally just come off air, haven't we, after doing the Supersport 300 race. I was just about to say it this afternoon. And I don't think I finished the point because it was the moment Top Rack crashed. I was just about to say, can you imagine how much more value the title would have to Top Rack or Scott by beating Jonathan Ray? Imagine Jonathan had retired last year. It's going to have so much more meaning, isn't it, if they can actually beat Huge. Jonathan Ray this year? Huge. Because of Jonathan, what a legend the man is. Jonathan Ray is the greatest superbike rider ever. Of all time, yeah. Of all time. Yeah. You know, forget his actual championships compared to a Fogarty, compared to a Bayliss, right, or Biagio. You know, forget all that. He is the best rider ever, regardless of anything mm. that you look at as mm. far as the whole package goes as a human being on a motorcycle. You'd have to say that with Valentino Rossi and Mark Marquez over the years, Lorenzo had flashes, but uh, you know, in superbikes, Jonathan is that. And for Top Rack and for Scott to to take that off him, and you can well, you saw this weekend how hard they're going to have to pull that number one off his bike if they want it. I mean, talk about never give up and fight, fight, fight all the way. Um, let's talk about what Jonathan Ray's gone through in terms of emotions. First of all, then he was pushing. Over the limit, he's had to do it all season long, hasn't he? He crashed at Donington at Coppice Corner. He crashed at Most twice. All front ends. Sorry? All losing the front with that All Kawasaki. losing the front, unforced errors. And then in the rain earlier today and the really high-speed one on Saturday. All they, all. they, If you watch all of those crashes at Donington and the two crashes today, that he loses the front in exactly the same angle of the bike and the same situation with the front tyre. Even if it's in the wet, like it was today, or the dry, the Kawasaki has had a bit of a fundamental issue with the load of the front of that bike. Uh, and if he just puts a bit too much pressure, he, he admitted he put a bit too much front brake on. But that's the margin he's having to work with now. A bit too much front brake, and he loses a front, even at 140 miles an hour. He was very, very lucky to get away with that crash, you know, without injury, to even con be able to continue racing this weekend yes. to the damage limitations that he did. He only lost, what, 20 points or 24 points, sorry? He's lost, uh, well, rack. compared to what it was coming into the weekend, he's lost four because it was 20, and now it's 24. Correct. Yes, uh, yeah. He's well, lost, well, the sprint, he's, exactly, can you yeah. imagine, James, at the beginning, yeah. sorry to button, oh. after yesterday, and then or after the sprint race this morning, as we record this on uh, Sunday evening, of course, um, that we were going to be ending the day saying Jonathan Ray's only lost four points to Top Rat this weekend. Mm. It's just incredible. And, you know, then we move on to the subject of the unfortunate circumstances from the forced errors, unforced errors from, from Jonathan Ray to the Opera. unfortunate yes. circumstances of Top Rack yes. with his uh, mechanical in Catalonia and uh, obviously Assen being taken out by Gerloff. Now the front mudguard falling off and getting under your front tyre at 130, 40 mile an hour and taking you out he's been very, very unlucky this season so far. But fortunately for him, because of his ridden so well this year, outstanding performances all year round, he's still, still leading this championship and it's 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 wide open, but if he loses this championship less than 20 points this year, the team will feel quite responsible that the team's lost this year, not top rack. 
Yes, and, because... And, and I don't mean that the team are making uh, errors here. Mm. Um, you know, to have the electronic bombing catalog, to have the mudguard, you know, to, that these these are things that the team check a hundred times. There's, there's, we're not talking neglect here from the team. We're just talking, unfortunately, that the the, the machine has unfortunately let top right down from being the champion. Not And it's nothing, no fault of the team. It's just unfortunate. Yeah, the only one that you could say was neglect was uh, Donington when he ran out of fuel on the last lap and did get over the line. But win. that didn't hinder anything. It, luckily, in the end, yes. it didn't. But that could have hindered something. A few more seconds, and he would have lost it. And, and they did actually run no out fuel. of fuel in Australia last year, do you remember? But yeah, I mean, uh, Gerloff was the other one, of course, at Assen. So that is one thing we can point out. And in fact, Paul Denning said this to Charlie in the interview. We'll listen to that in a second, actually, because it's quite interesting. Gerloff incident at Assen. 25, 20 points gone there. Not Toprak's fault. Alternator at Barcelona, electronic problem, whatever it was. Uh, and now this, today, that's 75 points potentially, isn't it? Certainly 60-odd points gone, depending on whether he would have won or finished second. And they're not Toprak's fault. That is the only difference, I guess, between well, Toprak's problems and Jonathan so far this year. That's enough points. If we do do Argentina and Indonesia, that would have been enough points. In Argentina, he would have been crown champion if he'd have had a decent weekend because mm. there's only 62 up for grabs each weekend. And yeah. I can't see Toprak losing how many points? Did he say 70? How many has he lost? Uh, well, if that's, he's lost three races that weren't his fault, so that could be 75. Oh, so 75. So, you know, 70 odd, 70, 65, whatever, depending on where he would have finished. But And for a for top rack to lose 13 points on Jonathan Ray over a weekend is unusual. So you would have to say if he'd have scored all those points, the top rack might have been crowned champion in Argentina. But, uh, you know, if Mianti had wheels, she'd have been bike. Exactly. You know, exactly <laughs> that's it, isn't it? I think the magic number will be the, the six-point swing of Magni Cor's sprint race, won't it? That'll be the... Because, okay, we can't say... Jonathan Ray's been unlucky too, and he's had to ride so hard this year. I mean, Kawasaki felt very hard done by. They went to Aragon thinking they had 15,100 revs, and it got reduced at the last minute to 14,600. So they felt quite hard done by as well. Hmm. I, I, th I think now we're seeing, with the helicopter view today, um, the, the speed deficit that the Kawasaki's got, yeah. and this problem with the front end on the way into corners, with how well Jonathan Ray is riding he is still the best rider on the grid. Top rack's coming up, right? And Jonathan can feel it. That's why you see those yeah. emotions in his face. When he when he does beat him on the races, yes. it, it, you can see the emotion that it brings to him because he, he's worked hard for it, hasn't he? Yeah. You know, but, but that's uh, it, isn't it? Because in the interviews, they can say what they like, they can play games, there's the theatre and whatever, but what you can't hide is the raw emotion when you cross that finish line. And Jonathan will get off that, you know. You know, it, 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 We've seen the motivation that he's got, but it is Top Rack and Scott Redding that's bringing it to him. Yeah, he's, they're providing him the challenge that he relish, uh, relishes on, and and Scott's uh, oh, um, Jonathan Ray has always been up for the challenge. Whether Bautista wins thirteen on the bounce, and whether whoever comes to the table in superbikes, he's always been up to the challenge of getting the better of them at the end. Uh, but it's going to be so interesting to see these last two rounds whether whether he does it. If he does it again this year and seven times world champion, um, I, I will I will be I will be the biggest fan. Uh, and I'm a fan of Jonathan Ray anyway, but because you can't not be. But I will be one of the biggest fans of, of Jonathan Ray for, for forevermore because it will be it will be his best championship by far. And we've said, yeah, I agree. I mean, and we said that in 19, didn't we, with the way he had to overcome the whole Bautista thing. But we keep having to say it's this is going to be his best one so but far. Bautista in the end made it easier for him. Yeah, true. You know? I mean, how much? I don't think these two guys are. I don't think Top Rack and Scott's going to make it easy for this him. Makes you wonder, James, how much better can Jonathan Ray still get? Because you think he's peaked, and then wow, something else happens, and he says, "Wow, this guy." Is incredible. You're, you are your own limitation when it comes to being a professional sportsman. And, it, and Jonathan Ray has been lucky to be born uh, with a certain level of competitiveness in his veins that um, it wouldn't matter even if he was on the track on his own. It'd still be disappointed if he didn't win by a certain amount. <laughs> he just takes <laughs> that. He just yeah. takes that way. Yeah. Well, let's listen in. Let's listen into. Uh... Paul Denning, first of all, I mentioned it before, chatting with Charlie and then the man himself, the man of the moment in the end, after what was looking to be an appalling weekend, has ended up being a pretty memorable one for good reasons. Jonathan Ray, here they are now. Paul, I can't help feeling ever so slightly gutted for you. Um, what, do you know what happened with the mudguard? No, apart from the fact that it was clear that uh, uh, you know, full lean angle and with the wind there, uh, something broke, um, which obviously would have made a massive difference to the front load and uh, 
uh, resulted in the crash. So uh, the guys are investigating now. Um, Mudguard itself seems uh, like it was intact, but clearly something in the mounting system failed, or they're looking at it carefully now. But um, the biggest disappointment of the whole thing is, well, the biggest upside is that the ride is absolutely fine. Um, and when it's there in such a high-speed corner, that's the first concern, and he's 100% okay. Um, we arrived here 20 points in front. We leave here 24 at Jonathan's favourite track. So there are some positives to take, but the big... Uh, and most painful point is that you know any points that Top Rack's lost in terms of a DNF this year not has not made one single mistake in the season, and it's a mechanical sport and things can happen. But uh, obviously, apart from Aston, okay, so, but that still wasn't his fault clearly, and uh, the crashing qualifying. I, know, I only know this because I asked him in my interview with him on Thursday, and he said, "Oh yeah, crashing and qualifying in Aston." Yeah, no, he's made some mistakes during the sessions and what have you, but in the races themselves. Yeah, obviously, unfortunately, Garrett knocking him to in there and cost us at least 20, if not 25 points. And uh, Barcelona and then here today. don't know if we're quite at it with, for Jonathan in that race. He was going to fight, but um, Jonathan was super strong and did an amazing job. Brilliant ride. Um, but 20 points would have been better than none. And we feel, obviously, it's just the hardest part of motorsport when you effectively let yourselves down and let your rider down. But I'm just glad he's OK. And uh, we'll go to Argentina and crack on. Last time we were in Argentina in 2019, Top Rank was on the podium three times. That's not That gives you some hope. Yeah, he loved the track. I mean, then the surface was more like a motocross track, which kind of might have uh, suited his... Uh... We don't say motocross anymore. We say it was more like Austin, Texas. Yes, exactly. Um, but we'll see. But, you know, he really likes the layout and uh, enjoyed the track. And uh, everywhere we've been, he's been able to either win or fight to win. So uh, try and do the same thing again. And, uh, yeah, it's all getting a bit tight, isn't it? Now? Thanks very much, Paul. Yeah, thanks, mate. Jonathan Ray starting race two from 10th on the grid to win the race with a five, more than five second advantage. A great way to end a complicated weekend for you. Yeah, complicated is the word. Disappointing is probably a better word. I am really frustrated because my team put me in, in such a good position to, to capitalize this weekend and um, I threw it away. I made two silly mistakes being impatient when my bike was working great. I had the rhythm. So, um, I've already apologized to them, you know, I was really upset with myself after the Super Bowl race and uh, I just said to the guys, hey, we have nothing to lose, we've been in this position before, let's just try and enjoy my bike and I sat on the grid with no pressure, I just wanted to make a really good start. I had such a perfect launch, one of them where you think, why has everyone not made a good start? I just was going forward, the best start of my season. So. Uh, from that point, I was able to gain good track position, be clever with my passes, and um, try to put sector two and three to good use because I really struggled going down that start straight into the headwind. So um, when I could keep in front a few laps, I knew that I was uh, trying to, like braking just to keep my rhythm. Then I seen the top right was out, so it gave me some breathing space. I could really. You know, knock back the rhythm, enjoy the race, you know, ride to the pit board and, and that was a nice feeling, you know, just being able to cruise, thinking uh, that if I don't do anything silly again, I should have 25 points. So massive thanks to all the team, not just my side of the guys, but also Alex's side because after the crash this morning, all, all the team staff were involved in getting my bike ready for race two. So big team effort and nice to at least reward them with 25 points. As we said, a complicated weekend for you. Would you say it's one of the most com difficult ones you had in your career? No, I've had many worse um, because my bike's competitive. I know I can fight for victory. It's just I was very frustrated with myself. Um, you know, I know that I know what we can do when things go right. So that's I think it's more turn the page and uh, focus on the next challenge. Uh, my team have, haven't put a foot wrong where we know the limitations of our package and we just try and maximize that. I should uh, I should learn a lot from this weekend and uh, take that to the, the last races and also into 22. You bounced back this afternoon with the win and reduced the gap to top rack in the standings. It's now 24 points. How do you see the championship is still wide open? Yeah, 24 is a lot better than 49. Um, uh, with a lot of races to go, you know, six races, you know, the championship just keeps swinging. Uh, and that's, that gives me 
some hope at least. But the good point was I almost expected that the, the challenge was uphill. I was waiting for, almost waiting for him or his team to make a mistake. Um, and okay, unfortunately for them that happened today, but uh, it keeps, it, I just focus on my job and today I could take the 25 points regardless what happened to, to them. And um, I'm very happy with how I rode and how my bike was performing as well, how we worked all weekend, apart from my mistakes. Nice win celebration in turn five. We're to practicing the track yesterday. I made it dirty again. Next, uh, no, in two weeks, we're back in Argentina. Four wins there for you. Can we expect a great weekend for you there again? I hope so. I enjoy the track. Um, we don't have long to think about it because already on Monday, we'll, well, not tomorrow, but Monday week, we'll fly. So looking forward to trying to keep this momentum now and, um, and see what we can do out there. See you in Argentina, Yes, yeah, see you. Right, there we go. Absolutely sensational. And the championship is on an absolute knife edge. It's Scott Redding, though, who's actually scored more points than anybody. He's taken 20 points out of the leader. So it's down from 74 to 54. That's easy to remember because it's Toprak's number. So 54 leads the championship, 54 points between the top three. Redding ain't out of this. We could have another two rounds still. No, not at all. I, I've <laughs> been saying all weekend long, you know, the, the cycle ride to clear your head, to lose a little bit of weight, to put, cycle yourself, ride? to put yourself in a right frame of mind. <laughs> I said it all weekend. What a good decision that was that, mm, he, that mm. he undertook there. You know, yeah. he, all those all those hours on the bike, you know, you can just, you can just like disappear, can't you? Isn't it's just that, an escapism. Hang it's, on a minute. Isn't that why you suggested it in the first place? <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> what was it? Three hundred and fifty kilometers. <laughs> I was so disappointed he finished second in that first race. If he'd have finished fourth or fifth, right, and dropped off the pace, <laughs> I wouldn't have been eating humble pie all weekend. But I tell you what, as I, I am, <laughs> I, I, I am. There's no great. one more pleased and relieved. <laughs> in fact, no, relieved is the thing, right? Because I made a point that he shouldn't be riding all those kilometres in between the race on back-to-back -back races with still the championship up for grabs, riding a factory Ducati. It might be the last time. You never know in a rider's career he has a chance of winning the world championship. Mm. It could be. Yeah. I hope it's not because I'm, I, yeah. I, I, I am a fan of Scott Redding. But right? it could be. It could be. Okay. So, so riding all that way, it, it's an unusual thing to do. I've never heard riders do it before. So if it's an unusual thing to do, you'd have to say, why is he doing it? Right. 350 kilometers, by the way, for anyone who wasn't listening over the weekend and you just caught the podcast, Scott Redding rode across Monday and Tuesday, straight after Jerez, 350 odd kilometers all the way from Jerez to Portimao. Which is what, eight or nine hours in the saddle every day? In, in the baking in the sun center. as well. So, um, and the fact that he had three second places this weekend was unbelievable. To be able to do that, it, I, I was astounded. And, and I, 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 I actually think it was incredible, right? And I I say that as a fan, but if he'd have finished fifth in that first race yesterday, or even worse, had a bit of a tip-off, right? Ducati, Serafina Foti, the bosses in Ducati, the whole paddock would have gone, of course, he was a bit knackered from his cycle ride, right? What you're doing is giving everybody a bit of a chance to stick the knife in if they have to save themselves from a disappointing result. And the Ducati bosses, Sofia Foti, and all the engineers, that they the problem is with the factory Ducati team is they expect, they expect wins. Second, third's not even good enough for them. I've ridden for them, right? You know, I know how they tick. So finishing fourth or fifth after cycling all that way, right? They wouldn't say that the Ducati's not turning very well at Portimao or the Ducati's not right, working very well. So he's not you know, is, is, of course. Yeah. I mean, because this was a risk, that, and that—that's why I made the point because it was a risk. Because he gave the other people an opportunity to save themselves if he had an average result. There was a point on Friday, sorry, Saturday morning, and he was seven tenths off P one, wasn't it? Not only that, and but Loris was, was quicker, yep. and Rinaldi was really close. So Scott wasn't the top Ducati, and at that point, it didn't look well. None of the Ducatis looked comfortable, actually. No, no. And I mean, Baz has ended up with three third places as well. And it's incredible. 
we wouldn't have really thought much of it. I mean, if Bazard had beat Reading this weekend, it would have uh, not gone down well in the factory team. That would have been a massive disappointment because we've seen the differences in speed with how Loris Baz goes down the straight compared to the factory, the red Ducatis. You can clearly see that there's a, a top speed advantage with the factory bikes. There always is. There always will be. Mm. Uh, but anyway, um, I, I hold my hands up and say um, he got away with it because of how fit and amazing Scott Redding is to do a performance like that after cycling all that way. But if it had had one slight problem out of his control, where the bike had a mechanical, or if it had just slipped off the pace because the Ducati's not been that good round in Portimao, um, they would have pointed the finger at that. And that's yeah, and I'm saying that because I've got experience of it. I played the piano at Brands Arch, right, in 2007, after warm-up, with my leathers on, before the races. I was leading the championship, but not by too much, right? And I was thinking... Played the national anthem, I played you? the national anthem to the, to the crowd. And... I was fully aware and I felt a lot of pressure. I'm thinking if I crash or if Bayless beats me this weekend, I know everybody in this whole arena with the fans and the Honda team and the engineers that have said he's concentrating too much on playing the piano. should be concentrating on riding the bike. I did the double that day. I got away with it. But you do remember specifically thinking, thinking that. that. And I think that's where I was nervous for Scott. This weekend maybe, with maybe. that cycle ride, because I've got these emotions in me. Don't give anybody any excuses to have on you to blame you for the poor results. And that's what he did this weekend. But Scott being Scott, stepped up to it and pulled it off. And it was incredible. Yeah, stunning. I did an interview with Scott pre-season this year, actually, in Jerez. And we were talking about his cycling. I've just remembered this, funnily enough. And I was sat next to him and I prodded his leg. He's absolutely rock hard like a brick. He's just so much cycling. It is incredible. And he actually said he probably would have been a professional cyclist had he not been a professional motorcyclist. What parties does she go to? Where are you touching Scott Redding's legs? Greg, is it? Uh, sort of... This is a weekly thing, huh? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if you did more cycling. Can we, sure you can broadcast this Your stuff. legs would be the same. I did say it was an unscripted <laughs> no, podcast. I can guarantee you they're not now. No, you didn't do a cycle ride. <laughs> so, you know, all the positives of cycle riding are really coming out this weekend, aren't they? Um, oh, BMW won a race this weekend. Yes, yes. Get that yes, piano yes. down to SMR Hospitality. <laughs> I've had a bad weekend. <laughs> what an incredible weekend again, James. Three different winners, three different manufacturers winning. Okay, it was a rain-affected race and it was the sprint race, but yes, well done. Four of the five marks have now won races this year. Great stuff. Michael Vandermark back on the top step. BMW's mm. first win since 2013. Yeah, since Chas Davis. At the Nürburgring. It's... um. Well, I mean, how easy did it look as well? Not just a victory. What's the gap in them? Was it about three seconds, wasn't it? It was, um, I mean, Four for the second race, something like that. I, I, th I think um, Jonathan Ray won about with a couple of or two or three seconds uh, last year in the sprint race in the dry, but mm. to, 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 to win at Portimao, we know uh, Vandermark had a couple of podiums on the Yamaha before, so he obviously likes the place, but uh, the BMW in the dry conditions um, has, uh, has has not really yet threatened the podium consistently this year, but in wet conditions at Donington Park, remember Tom Sykes and uh, and Vandermark there on the podium, but for yeah, the... And Aragon, Ar Aragon round one, Vandermark led a race there in damp conditions as well, yeah, yeah. It's so good in wet conditions for yeah. some reason, that bike. And... You know, one of the things that we do say, because the Magneti Morelli electric, the electronic systems that most teams run with the traction control and how that kind of manages the, the horsepower and the torque curve of these really powerful, what, 240, 250 brake horsepower superbikes these days. The Bosch system that BMW have that they design themselves and the, all the software is, is their own has been under question if ever since uh, BMW came in back in 2011 when I when I was riding it um, with the comparison between them and Magneto Morelli. But, mm. you know, to, to get that kind of traction in those conditions at Donington, Donington Park is one of the worst tracks when it's raining. Well, as it, we've seen oh, this weekend, just gone in BSB on Saturday. Awful. So if it can find the grip uh, on a, Don a wet Donington Park... Uh, the electronics can't be too far off. So um, I'm, I'm going to be really intrigued to see how Sean Muir's team now uh, develop. They've got Scott ready next year. They, they, I've, I'm hearing that there's a few things that they're developing behind the scenes to bolt on that bike for next year. And and yeah, I'm I'm all, I, I'm really excited about it because um, 
I, I did say that I didn't think it was the right decision that Scott went from a red Ducati to a, to, to a BMW. And at this point in time, you'd struggle to argue with me, wouldn't you? That it was, that it was a positive move. Mm. Right. But again, I don't, I, I don't mind. And I, I'd look forward to next year, all of a sudden winter testing the BMW with Scott and Vandermark is right up there. And we've got Jonathan Ray on the, on the Kawasaki top rack on the Yamaha, Scott Redding and Vandermark on the BMW and the, the, the Ducatis uh, uh, with Bautista and Rinaldi. I mean, it's, it's, Hotting up. If the car, if the BMWs can just make a jump in the dry, the Superbike Championship is going to be unbelievable. In a good place, isn't it? It's in a good place, no doubt about it. Um, bad luck for Honda this weekend. Uh, so nearly on a podium. Loris Baz was phenomenal. We talked in commentary a bit about the fact that maybe the rev changes could be by team as mm. opposed by manufacturer. That's another thought we just threw out there. Yeah. Uh, World Super Sport very quickly. That goes at least to Argentina. Stephen Odendahl bounces back. I mean, what did you say? It was a full second they gained. Nearly a th- well, it was definitely three quarters of a second. Incredible. In the dry conditions from Saturday race to the Sunday race. So, And he complimented his team for it. Yes. But, uh, but yes. what a change that was because it is a bit of a risk because all you've got is the morning warm-up on Sunday. Mm. you know the, the mm. super sport guys from the previous race on the Saturday to try something but this morning it was pouring it was rain pouring with rain it that's exactly what I was with about rain. to say so they missed that opportunity to see what the uh, the development was so um, that's how that's when you know you're working with proper people no they, they, let's incredible. not forget they are the world champions that team yes they are you know what I mean twice twice so yeah. um, and, and that's that's when they that's when the guys and the guys can really make the difference and what a difference they made to Stephen today and it, yeah back back in it Agatha you know, on the Tenkate bike, um, you know, you'd have to say he's still the favourite, but uh, he's made it really exciting for Stephen today. Let's talk about that Superbike race, James, as well, the Saturday race, because that was one of the most incredible World Superbike races, one of the most amazing motorcycle or even motor races full stop I've ever seen, let alone had the chance to commentate on. It was brutal, wasn't it? Bumping into each other, crashes, overtakes, by the corner almost. It was, you just didn't know where to look, did you? It was incredible. Yeah. It, it's the superbike racing this season. If you've been lucky enough to watch it um, here on Eurosport with us, with me and Greg, um, me and Greg have obviously, honestly, we've been wet through, haven't we? Well, you know, as you look at me with those eyes, don't roll me the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have. It's, we are honestly, uh, we have. We've been dripping with sweat almost. Well, literally. I mean, the excitement that the racing's given us, yeah, and and the concentration that takes. To keep on top of it all and not get too excited and keep an eye on the timing screen and who's catching and, you know, what's happening further back. Imagine what it must be like for the TV director as well to keep on top of it all. But well, yeah, unbelievable well, one, of the guys, stuff. one of the guys in here, one of the directors just come in and said, oh, so what are you doing next? Or so I'm just going to go next door. We're, we're covering the snooker next. And I was thinking, <laughs> can me and Greg do that for a day or two <laughs> to calm down? <laughs> Would it be a dream, wouldn't it? Just for a day, just uh, knocking a few balls in. Oh yeah, it would indeed. In fact, <laughs> is that in, the same party? <laughs> While we think about that, let's have a listen to this. This is a great clip off YouTube talking about snooker. The one and only Murray Walker appeared on uh, Jeremy Clarkson's chat show back in around, I don't know, circa 1999, and did some commentary on uh, snooker. It makes for a pretty good listen, so I think that's a good excuse to play this in. But the thing. I have always wanted to commentate on more than anything else. You're going to laugh at this. It's snooker. <laughs> I'm not going to laugh because I've got a microphone here. Oh, okay, can you. you take that proper microphone? Yeah. And we've got a clip here of some snooker. And I'd like you to give it the the Murray Walker treatment. Can I stand okay? up? Because I always stand. No, up. no. Do by all means stand. By all means. Can we run this clip then, and, and let's have Murray's interpretation of it. And here we are, that's Ronnie O'Sullivan, and this man is absolutely sensational. He's using the special high-grip chalk on his cue, and that cue itself is a very high-tech piece of equipment. Now, watch him. Which ball is he going to hit? He's going to hit the white ball, and he's going to hit straight on the yellow ball, and back goes the cue, and slam! He's missed it! He's missed it! Right. <laughs> Good old Murray. It's so sad we lost Murray earlier this year, by the way. I know we've spoken about this a lot in the podcast, but he was my absolute hero, my broadcasting hero, and I think did more for motor racing than many of the actual competitors. I had the honour of Murray hosting my retirement do. Did you really? I never met him. Wow, what yeah. was that like? Right, it was an honour to just be sat with me and Murray on the stage, just going through um, what, what had been 
it was an emotional time, obviously having to retire from racing, but yeah. uh, it was such a lovely bookend for me to have such a um, an iconic, iconic person discussing it with me throughout uh, what was was some some incredible times. And uh, with his history and his memories of motorsport racing, as as well as what my career personally had done, it was uh, it was an incredible experience. And yeah, we miss him, don't we? He's, he's one of the legends. Oh, absolutely! And that that hilarious that clip. <laughs> There's loads of great stuff like that on YouTube. Just before we go, let's listen into one more interview. Listen to it first, and then we'll come to it. Adrian Huertas, 2021 World Supersport 300 champion. Congratulations. What does this title mean to you? Uh, well, this title means a lot because uh, my last year has been really hard. Uh, the, the team gave me the opportunity, so I'm really grateful to, to them. Uh, this is incredible. I mean, I, can't, I, I have no words at the moment because... Uh, uh, I am in shock yet. I didn't. Uh, for me, it's not real now. Probably this this night when I am on the on the bed, and I will say, "Oh, f I'm world champion." <laughs> so well, uh, I'm really happy. I want to to get some opportunities next year because of this. Because I I have so uh, I am really fast. Uh, I'm really strong. And then, uh, well, uh, on the race, I I have tried to 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 don't crash because. Uh, it was completely <laughs> on travel because of the straight and so on. But well, uh, I have been pushing sometimes on the race. Uh, finally, I get second, I think. So I'm really happy. Uh, I, I am. I want to say thanks to everybody who made it possible. My father, because he has suffered a lot. Uh, my manager, uh, all my staff, uh, from nutritionist, uh, physical preparer, uh, coach on track. So. We, we are we are a big family uh, and well uh, this is not just mine it is uh, for all of them also to my mechanic Frank because he has suffered a lot he has been working really hard and uh, well uh, I have uh, no, no more words because uh, I just want to enjoy with with them and uh, well <laughs> that's all when did you realize that the title will be possible for you this season uh, well uh, on the precision when I signed the contract with MTM, this was my objective. But uh, for for some people, it was like, "Hey, you are, <laughs> you have been 16 last year or something like that." And uh, well, uh, finally, I have worked. I, I think I have worked uh, more than anyone on the precision and so on. And now this is uh, looking uh, to everybody. So well, uh, I think. We have done what we have to do, and I will repeat it next year or where, where I am and try to get another championship. You were under the pressure of Tom Busamos and your teammate Jeffrey Buzz. How was the battle with them and how did you manage the pressure? Well, honestly, I think uh, I, I am really sad for Tom because we have been working, uh, fighting and so on. All all the year, so well, uh, I am really sad for for his crash. Then he has been out, uh, and well, uh, I think he he deserves uh, to be second because we have been all the time fighting uh, him and me and so on. But uh, well, uh, this is racing; you can get an injury, as I had uh, a lot of times ago. So well, that's. All. This season, you made a big step forward compared to 2020. You mentioned a bit earlier that you thought that you worked a bit more than the others during the preseason. Is there anything else that can explain this big step? Uh, well, uh, I have been working with uh, my coach on Malaga uh, really hard uh, with my physical preparer on the gym a lot of time. Uh, I have suffered a lot on the preseason. I have uh, cried. I have uh, enjoyed, so it has been a mix, but uh, I have been working all days, no no one day of, uh, and I think this is uh, the, the key of the of the improvement. Uh, also, my team, they, they, they are the improvement also. The bike is better, and uh, well, that's all. You had a successful season winning the title, five wins, seven podiums, three pole position, can you give us some highlights of 2021 for you? Well, for, uh, it has been a really 
control, uh, I, I controlled uh, everything on this season, but finally on Jerez I had the big problems, honestly with uh, one wild card and so on. Uh, but uh, well, uh, this is racing. Uh, finally, I cannot do anything. I, I just have to to shut the mouth and keep working. And uh, then I I have been uh, at home. I I came back home for training instead of being here on holidays from Jerez to Portimao. Uh, uh, I have been suffering really too much this week because, uh, well, I, I, I made a really good season, but the title was there and I can't lose it. So uh, I have suffered a lot this, this week. Let's switch back to today's race. You won the title, special race for you then. How was it? Were you focused on the championship? How difficult was it to stay focused? Well, uh, at the first part, I was focused on winning, and that's all. But finally, then, uh, when when I saw Jeffrey touching me, I, I made, like, uh, looking back, because I, I didn't know what was the problem. Uh, someone touched me, and I was like, oh, f***. And then uh, he crashed. Uh, I'm really sad for him, because he has been making a good race. But honestly, the 300 is getting quite dangerous and also on the straight and so on. This morning they have gave us an advisement. I think this is really helpful for the future because uh, like this, some people will learn. And uh, well, I think we have to work uh, alone and then let's see what happens on the races. But this is really close racing and everything can happen. Final question, what's next for you? Maybe now, after winning the title, you can tell us a bit more about it? Honestly, uh, I don't know. Because uh, my manager and my father are managing everything. Now that I am world champion, probably I will ask them like, oh, hey, we, what we have for next year. But uh, I want to move uh, to Supersport, that is the, the next step. Uh, basically, I think I, I have done some things uh, showable to everybody to, to get a place on Supersport. And uh, I think I deserved, uh, so I hope I get. Yes, Adrian Huertas, of course, Supersport 300 world champion of 2021, the 18-year-old from Madrid. I have to say this through gritted teeth in some ways, James, because we've got close this year. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> for Tom Amos. But after the season we've had, some great rides from Jeffrey Bowers, from Tom Amos in particular, and others along the way, but... The best man won at the end of the day. Uh, the des deserved champion. Yeah. And it was proved today in the second race, it was a champion's ride. When Huertas didn't have the pressure of consolidating a championship and he could just ride freely, he cleared off from the pack and won the race by a considerable margin when it comes to, to uh, the 300s racing, isn't it? It's usually so close, but yeah. Uh, uh, he's put a season together, a really bright prospect for the future, that young Spaniard. But uh, Tom Boothamos definitely showed amazing character today with that injury. Let's just hope they get a decent ride in World Supersport 600 next year. I know. We haven't heard, have we, that yeah. it's a given and it yeah. should be. You know, for Huertas, uh, Huertas should be on the on the shopping list for for, for many. It should be actually uh, uh, difficult to choose from the options that he should be having on the table. Uh, but it just shows you the difficult nature of the racing at the minute. The teams are trying to get sponsors so we could, they can fund things. Uh, but even like someone like Huertas, he might be even asked to bring 100,000, €150,000 to the team so they can even uh, race next season. It's, it's really in dire straits at grassroots and the lower level of racing. And it's hindering giving opportunities to such bright prospects like Adrian Huertas to carry on his career through the ranks because how devastating would it be, Greg, to have Adrian Huertas in 300s again next year with the number one? It'd just be just pointless, oh, wouldn't it? Jeffrey Bowes has Jeffrey been this Bowes, year. Yeah. Get, you can't have a number one in this class. There should be some system that funds the champion from 300s automatically gets promoted to keep their, champ to keep their careers going because they deserve it to. How's that going to work then? Because who's going to have to get together to ensure that happens? It's going to have to involve teams, the FIM, Dorna. Everybody. It is, because it's not cheap, this game. But is someone somewhere going to have to throw some money at this to ensure we've got Always. a good... Is it going to be like almost like a sort of football sort of system, relegation system, or certainly a promotional system? 
I don't think we'll be able to get two up and two down because uh, mm, you know mm. you know that's I don't, it wouldn't work. Wouldn't would it? work. No, it wouldn't no. work. But it is it is an expensive sport. This Greg and uh, since tobaccos uh, were, were banned from uh, advertising in two thousand and six, it has been very very difficult to accumulate enough funds that go all the way down to grassroots because even in the uh, the, the world uh, championships uh, junior championships in Spain, you know, they're asking for hundreds oh. of thousands of pounds just Three to compete. Four hundred thousand yeah. apparently with people like you know. Um, yeah. Is set and, up. and I don't know what the situation is for Adrian Huertas with his family and all the rest of it, but I know I don't know any rider that I am in touch with uh, in the industry that have got anywhere near that kind of budget. Um, so we're going to lose some real fantastic, promising talent uh, in this game if we don't get some kind of funding system in at the top to allow these kids to to carry on their careers. In, put, in the fashion that they need to and put you on deserve the, to. On the spot a bit here, you've obviously attended BBC Sports Personality of the Year and things like that over the years, James, and I'm sure met some very interesting people. Have you managed to have a chat with many other people from different sports? I mean, do they have this sort of problem? I, I think they do. I, I think they do. I mean, you look at the Olympians, you know, when they practice, uh, Dave Rutherford uh, is, is going to go and try and do the uh, uh, bobsleighing, isn't he? Um, and uh, obviously going from one discipline with the long jump that he was so amazing at and then now to doing to the bobsleigh. But they're having to scrape together some funds themselves to even buy the sleigh you know and they might be a team that go to the next olympics to try and get a medal for this country so i know uh, even at olympic level um that the that the funding that they require to have it as a profession because to be a professional olympian and win a medal you've got to wake up and do it every single day all day right yeah. you do don't you right so well, how you, do you actually yeah. fit a job in to earn money to pay the bills other than that you know, so it's total lifestyle, isn't it? When Nico Rosberg, when his F1 title in 2016, you know, he was going to absolute extremes to beat Lewis Hamilton, essentially, you know, having Greg to... Rutherford, anyway, so, isn't it? Not Greg. It's, uh, not oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. sorry Greg. I wouldn't know, actually, yep. to be yep. fair, because I'm yep. more of a motor racing guy, as you know, and know loosely Greg, follow... Uh, now, yeah, yeah, true, because <laughs> our director this weekend was Greg as well. Lots of Gregs. <laughs> too many, too many, probably. Um, but yeah, you know, Rosberg was even having to sleep in a separate bedroom to his wife and I like, almost lead a complete different life separate life for that year just to get that title one and then sure enough he retired didn't he yeah at the end of that season but it just takes over your whole life doesn't it so it yeah. does seem i'm not saying people should be throwing money at people left right and center but it does seem like something's a little bit flawed here not quite right when you've got top sports stars who you know they must give so much to their countries in terms of the economy and the interest there's, on, there's, on a national bit, level. I think globally there's a perfect storm happening behind the scenes that we're all kind of getting the ripple effects of. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're trying to get uh, um, we're trying to get oil out of the way, aren't we? And, and look after the planet, right? So I don't want to go into too much depth because, you know, we're basically burning CO2s out the back to do the job, right? So, you know, as far as like the global aspect of this and obviously Repsol sponsoring the Honda team, etc. It's, it's uh, as, as we as we try Try and look after the planet doesn't necessarily look after motorcycle racing. That's in a nutshell, without going into too much detail. Um, that's the tricky part that we're going to have to have. There are fuels that are being developed now that can be burned off in a combustion engine that don't kick out the CO2s mm, and they are clean mm, that yeah. I hope we can develop quickly so we can be self-sustainable. Because at the minute, without tobacco sponsorship or without oil sponsorship, it leaves them. It's a false economy at the minute, motorcycle racing, and that's why we're feeling this so much at grassroots. And we we need to be really proactively thinking how we get self sustained. Do you think of the electric route, James? Because I guess that brings its own issues as well, does it not? With the lithium batteries and how do you dispose yeah. of them? Well, we're still having to uh, to. to the planet for natural goods to be able to do the show mm. and and that is not sustainable you know we we have to start thinking about globally about all the issues and it's not an easy box to square you know you know what i mean circle to square it's um it's it, it's a huge issue but i think motorcycle racing actually when you look at it on paper is not really going with the grain it's going against the grain and um and I, but i am confident that we have the technology and the intelligence to design and come up with technologies that we are self-sustainable and we are green. So I'm looking forward to the future because I don't think it's too far away that we can get um, combustion engines to run on a fuel that doesn't kick out CO2s. You would like to think, wouldn't you, that the United Kingdom, from a patriotic point of view here, with all of the brains in this country in engineering, you know, basically all of the Formula One teams, bar two or three, Alfa, Tauri, Alfa Romeo and Ferrari are in Italy, but all the rest of them, all of them, are based in 
the Silverstone area, the Northamptonshire area. You'd like to think with all those brains that a solution will be found, don't you? If, if we can put a man on the moon in 1969, we can design a liquid yeah. Yeah, and fly ignites. Concorde supersonic jet in 1960-whatever-it-was. Yeah. We, we can design synthetic fuels that, uh, that, that are clean, I'm sure. I'm sure we can. I've got confidence in the human race that we've got the intellect uh, uh, or we've got the intelligence to, to, to do so. Uh, but we are, we are going to have to move pretty quick with it because we are seeing financially what companies want to be involved in racing when we are against the grain. Because I'm sure there are a lot of green companies out there that wouldn't touch motorcycle racing because of the nature of what we're up to. So if we can go green, it's going to attract so many more global companies to want to be involved in the sport as well, because there is no greater sport when it comes to exciting action. Mm, mm. There isn't, is there? There's nothing this that matches it. the absolute perfect you know? example. It's amazing, this sport. So I think if we can just kind of keep an eye on that, and I, we are, we, it's not like we're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not walking blindly here. We are, but I think if we can just, you know walk towards that direction as fast as possible as it is possible to keep the show going but also kind of to evolve with this it's going to attract a whole new raft of different companies that want to be involved with this that can sustain and fund it properly hopefully down to grassroots i like the fact that you still think there's uh you still have faith in the human race, despite having worked with me for the last two or three months. <laughs> that's always good to know. That's why I've got this new, uh, you know, this new uh, kind of energy for it. Because <laughs> if I can, if I can survive this, Greg, I can survive anything. <laughs> You're probably right too. Uh, what do you want for your birthday? By the way, please bombard him with tweets. James M. Tozund on Twitter. Bombard him <laughs> with tweets of happy birthday messages for his 41st birthday. Uh, what would you like, James? What would you like for your for your birthday this year? Some nice home cooking for me, Mum. That's all oh, I lovely. want. Well, yeah. I'm sure you would like, have if had I, that. I, I, By the time this goes out, you would have had that. I've had it for the last 40 years, and I'm sure on my 41st birthday, um, I, if I was out to ask, I'm sure it would be uh, uh, rustled up. So, uh, yeah. Around the family and friends, I've got my three nephews. They're uh, they're all men now. Uh, uh, 22, 19, and, and 11, I think it is. Uh, they're all growing up fast. I, I remember when Bailey, the 22-year-old, was a four-year-old-ish on the podium with me in, in Magnico when I won the championship. And uh, mm. um, time's moving on fast. But, uh, but yeah, I'll be with my family and friends and probably waking up on Wednesday morning with a bit of a headache. Right, yeah, just in time to listen to this podcast back. Marvellous. James, thanks very much. It's been a very, very, one of the most memorable weekends, I think, of our career, certainly of my broadcasting career so far and probably ever. We're not going to forget Portimao 2021 in a hurry, are we? We'll be back next week with a podcast as we have a weekend off, can you believe? And then Argentina, will it be the last round of the season or will it not? I hope it's not. I hope we get Indonesia or, or if not, you know, at least a, a replacement round, but they're going to need to tell us quite soon, oh, aren't they? As, as many races as we can. Yeah. I, I think with the, the teams racing, and riders need to know. With the racing as it is, can we just add a couple more? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Let's go Do we away. have to stop this year? Know, Let's just roll into next year. What an amazing this. season it's been. James, thanks for everything. Pleasure. I will see you for the Argentina commentaries and no doubt speak before. Happy birthday again. Thank you. And we'll speak with you from Full Throttle next week enjoy the weekend off and then you'll be stuck in front of the telly loving argentina and brands hatch bsp